Welcome to That's Wrap, episode number 26. talking about let's try that again today we're talking about under the skin and uh tribute to robin williams yes. uh it's just me and nick today uh chris is on his way to massachusetts for his new job so he'll be back with us next week when we talk about only lovers left alive how are you doing nick i am quite well my friend eric how are you Oh, I'm just fine. Thanks. Um, I, I should. We, I guess we should do, be all formal about this. I'm Eric Marshall. And I'm Nick Schlegel. <laughs> and there you go. And uh, we're two guys today who like to talk about film and media and stuff. Uh, a couple quick kind of just housekeeping things um, before we get started. This is our 26th episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very thankful for the listeners who have uh, who have been with us from the beginning, and we're very happy for the new listeners we've been uh, accruing over the last several months. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, we would love iTunes reviews. Those really help us. Uh, they help us rank in iTunes and stuff like that. So if you have a moment, uh, go into iTunes and just give us an honest rating. We appreciate that. If you don't listen in iTunes, you know you can still rate us in iTunes if you want to. Uh, we're also available on Stitcher. Uh, some of you I know are listening on Stitcher. Uh, if, the, if you're listening on the website, you can switch to Stitcher. It's a pretty good app um, where, you can, uh, where you can hear us every time we post. So just a couple, you know, a couple housekeeping things. And we're at that's a rap show.com Twitter at rap podcast. We love feedback. So by all means, if there's a topic we haven't covered, something that you'd like us to tackle, drop us a line and let us know, or just give us feedback in general on an episode, whether you agreed with us, disagreed with us, thought we brought up good points, thought we were smoking stuff and non hallucinogenics whatever it may be you know we just like to interact with you we've we've uh as eric said we've accrued a fair amount of listeners out there we've got uh, a number of downloads that you know we're all kind of standing back and, and going wow wow you know we're actually quite happy to know that we've um we've reached a lot of you but we'd like to get some more feedback so yeah and feedback is great so, um, and you can you can catch us on Facebook or at the website. We're on all those things. It's pretty it's pretty easy to do. Uh, the feedback we have gotten has been has been great though for sure. Yep. Um, so I'm happy to say, I guess I'm happy to say, I don't know if I'm happy about this or not, but uh, I I did not have two martinis before oh. recording today. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm you know substantially more sober than I was uh, last maybe, time. Maybe we'll, uh, take a little break here. You know, <laughs> just go grab something. I, I do have some with me. It's just that I didn't, I, I didn't pre-drink this time. Oh, so see, I don't have the lubricant in front of me other than. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have that too, actually. So that's, that's good. So I, I might be a little more, a little better behaved than, than last week. Um, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> anything new? Yeah, pickups, pickups, pickups. Um, well, I'm in shock that the summer's, well, not, I mean, like, you know, by the calendar it isn't over, but by the school year it's over. And since we both still teach, uh, me for I'm not sure how much longer, but I'm still teaching. Um, yeah, man, it's like 
bingo where it's our you know finishing up syllabi getting them posted to you know the, the various online apparati apparati <laughs> board and whatever you, the other place uses and um but you know aside from all that uh it's been a really productive summer in that when i finished the spring term i i immediately started writing fin trying to finish my book and uh i i've made a lot of headway and progress on that i wrote 55 60 pages in the last six seven weeks um and been securing permissions and rights to use the images that i need Contra i've just had both carlos aguilar my dear friend and a film historian and author in madrid write me a beautiful forward to my book as well as the american actor jack taylor who uh, has been living in Spain for decades now and starved in so many of these films. He also contributed a beautiful and lovely um, forward to the book. I'm really very lucky to have these guys contribute to my work and, and uh, make, it, make it better, really, and provide uh, the proper sort of red carpet treatment that, that unfolds before the actual you know, chapters begin. They set the stage nicely for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been all about the book, really the book, the book, the book, the book. And, um, cause I have to deliver it this fall and my birthday was earlier this month and I received a mat cutter, uh, because as some of you have heard in previous podcasts, I own a lot of ephemera, you know, a lot of movie memorabilia. Uh, I've been collecting 30 years and have, uh, among my friends who collect i have a very small collection but among my friends who don't collect i've got like the taj mahal of collections <laughs> it's insane what i have and um that mat cutter has been like you know, i've put me in a kid in a candy store so i've been like framing you know if i've had a productive day i take the time out and i there was a, a local supply art supply store that was going out of business sadly and i cleaned up on a lot of mat board and some other things there and i've been i've been framing and uh in fact, I'll, I'll include a couple pictures on in this, you know, the post for this uh, on, on the website just to give you an idea of uh, you know, how I, I enjoy my spare time hobbies. That's about it. What about you, man? Um, yeah, the the summer coming to a close. It really hit me in the last couple of days. Uh, I think I'm just now beginning to realize. Uh, how much work I've taken on in the fall. Uh, you know, I have, I have four, four courses with three different syllabi. One I've never taught before. And, you know, when the students start emailing you early, that's when you know, right? I'm getting all these oh, emails. God, about, I know. <laughs> can I, can I add into your class? What book do I need? You know, stuff like that. So when those start coming in, you know, it's, you know, it's time, right? Yeah. So, uh, I think it's just hitting me right now how much, how much work I have to do. And, um, you know, how much prep I have to do and all that stuff. But uh, I'm looking forward to the semester, though. The the new class I'm teaching sounds pretty good. It's Intro to Mass Communication. Um, and then the other ones I'm teaching, Film and Society and uh, Intro to Screen Studies, I've taught before, and I really enjoy teaching. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but, you know, working hard on the memoir still, uh, editing, editing, editing. I hate editing, but it's getting there. And then, um, yeah, that's about it. I'm also, I don't know if I told you this, Nick. I, I'm starting a new podcast. Did I tell you this? You did not. Yeah, starting a new podcast um, about it's called Wet Writing, Education, and Technology. It's going to be strictly an interview podcast about people. Uh, I'm going to interview people involved in writing and or education and or technology. Um, 
Yeah, it's going to be first guest if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured I'd have you on as soon as your bo- your book's out. Yeah, there we go. I think that'd be good because I, I, I seriously because I think it'd be fun to have you on um, to talk about the academic publishing process. Yeah. Right. Which uh, which I think would be of interest to a lot of people. So I figure once your once your book's squared away, then I think I want to gonna have you on as That's as a that. guest. So. That's great. I'll be there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing some interviews already. I got a couple stockpiled uh, so I can start releasing it during the semester. Well, and uh, so, well, how'd you keep this from me? I'm shocked, considering we see each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just never came up, I guess. You know, but uh, it's been it's been interesting. It's uh, you know what I've learned from it is that I'm not a very good interviewer. <laughs> or let me put that a different way. Interviewing is a skill, uh, an acquired skill, a skill you learn, and that's what I learned from doing this. And I, I, I have yet to acquire that skill, so we'll see, we'll see. But um, yeah, it should be interesting. I've got uh, Audrey Waters uh, on the first episode. I, I interviewed uh, Howard Rheingold and Paul Levinson for the second and third, mm-hmm. and uh, so it should be, it should be pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. So. Um, but it's gonna it's totally different from this one because I'm keeping it clean. I'm trying to get the uh the the family friendly tag on iTunes. So it's you know, no swearing, no <laughs> you know. So um it's easy when you're Martini Marshall. That's right, exactly. So I try to do the interviews in the morning so I don't have to <laughs> So <laughs> priorities, I guess. I don't know. So that's exciting, I guess. Uh, and I'll I'll put um, I'll I'll probably publicize it once on the Facebook page, and then I'll probably talk about it once more, and then I'll, yeah, I'll let it, uh, then I'll then I'll leave it then I'll leave it be. Yeah. <laughs> so pimp it. Yeah. So um, so that's going on, and then like you know, getting ready for the semester. Uh, that's about. That's about it for me for now, you know. Mm-hmm. I miss Chris. I miss. I, I haven't seen the dude in a while, and now he's moving, so we won't be seeing him for a bit. But he will be back on the on the show. Uh, Absolutely. He he says next time um, where we like I said we'll talk about only lovers left alive next week, so or next next episode. Mm-hmm. So that'll be exciting. I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm yeah. a big fan of of uh, gyms, and I'm a big fan of Detroit, and I'm a big fan of vampires. So, <laughs> so there you go, uh, Jim Jarmusch. You're talking about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the triumph. It's a it's a it's a strong three legged stool. I'm going to sit on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that'll be next week and or next episode. And uh, like I said, Chris will be there with us hopefully uh, once he gets settled in and mass. <clears throat> in Massachusetts, and uh, so that'll be good. Any other business before we move on? That's it, brother. All right, sounds good. So in segment one, we are talking about Under the Skin. Um, Nick suggested we watch this film and I think you suggested watching it before you had seen it right yep and I uh, I watched it this morning I watched it at seven o'clock this morning so it's whoa, whoa, yeah not a 7 a.m. film Hold yeah no. we're at strong coffee in front of you <laughs> I did yeah okay. it was uh it's 7 p.m. now um I watched it at 7 a.m. and it was it's it's funny because I um I was gonna watch it last night but I ended up going to bed instead and this morning I woke up early because there's a 10 year old in the house and I thought I could watch it before she woke up but she was already up when I got up so I had to watch it in another room it was no big deal um 
So why why did you? I want to know why you uh, why did you suggest this one? Uh, let's see, a couple of different reasons. I was, um, I was out for a walk when it came out, which was I don't recall. It was uh, March, April, something like that. When 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 it was here and playing at local sort of art house theater, and I was walking by. Oh, I remember when it was. It was it was out the same time. Only Lo- Lovers Left Alive was out because it was like, oh, there's two films I really want to go see. And I walked by the uh, marquee, saw it, and looked at the poster. And the poster hmm. just just really grabbed me. And then I saw that it scar- had Scarlett Johansson in it, which was a, which was a, another real huge selling point to me. And and Jonathan Glazer's name also rang a bell as well. And so when I got home. From the walk, I um, I looked at the trailer, and it's a really well cut trailer. I haven't watched it since the trailer, but I, it was it was pretty intoxicating. It really got me, and and then I and then it just boom, nothing. I didn't go see it, <laughs> and you know winter winter doldrums or whatever still continued on. And although it wasn't winter, it was I think it was March April, so it was like transitioning into spring. And um, but then I started seeing it pop up on some best of lists, like 10 best lists. In particular, uh, an internet friend of mine whom, whom I really adore, I, I, I feel like she's a friend, you know, uh, Kimberly, uh, Kimberly Lindbergs, uh, who, who writes for TCM. Over, she has a movie Morlock blog over there and writes beautifully for them. And um, she had really sung its praises as well. And we we're kind of cinema twins in many ways. And... Uh, when I told her we were going to be podcasting about it, she she enthusiastically responded, and uh, you put all that together, and that's that's basically what what brought me, you know, that that's why I recommended we should watch it. Well, it sounds like a good set of reasons to me. I didn't I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know a whole lot about it, but um, you know, I watch anything, so uh, I was pretty blown away by it in in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, the director Jonathan Glazer did Sexy Beast as well, which um, which I which I haven't seen actually. Nope. Okay, yeah. um, I remember of it, hearing of it when it came out, but I uh, I never did see it. So uh, and some you know to his credit, he's got some massive attack a massive attack video something yeah. with Radiohead. You know, yeah. it's pretty much where I I the, his name ring a bell was through uh, MVAs as, and and other you know and just sort of music video buzz. I caught that name before. Yeah. The way that you'd see like Spike Jones's name and immediately know it before he started breaking into feature filmmaking and stuff, you know. Right, right. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good point. So uh you watched it last night. What'd you what did you think of it? Well it was a roller coaster for me and I'll tell you what, I'll uh I'll, like we always do, I'll give my sort of like early summation of my my and and, and keep it spoiler free. Although it's not really a spoiler rich yeah. narrative if you think about it. You know, I mean, it's not like mm. a big gotcha moment. It's not really a there's very little plot to it. Uh, so, but I will nevertheless sort of like veer away from, from major things. Let's see. The first ten minutes, I was kind of like. I felt I was in really, really good hands, and it opened up in very much sort of like the like the way that um, very sort of like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, actually, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's sort of grand, encompassing, 
spectacle epic narratives begin, kind of like um, 2001 or that middle part in The Tree of Life. You know, it has this sort of like very uh, Genesis-y moment in the beginning. And uh, I was like, wow, this is ridiculously cool. And uh, uh, about 10 minutes later, I was like, okay, I think I, I basically had in my mind figured out what I thought was going on, which I was correct. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not that hard to figure it out, but I can see how an average viewer might might start to disconnect at some point because you don't really get the 10-minute hook or the end of the first act or <laughs> the conventional, traditional three-act structure narrative you know, signposts that you get in, 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 in your normal script. And uh, then I would say about, I, oddly enough, that about a third of the way into the film, I, I began to sort of doubt what I was watching. I wasn't sure, not only from a narrative standpoint, but I quickly kind of like set that aside and was like, I don't really give a, you know, a shit about the narrative here. I don't need narrative causality and explanations all the time. I, this isn't a film that really encourages that particular viewing strategy or stance to begin with. It'll probably work against you if you do that. Um, but I still nonetheless wasn't sure what was going on in terms of is there a point to this? Or is, this is this just nearly two hours of, of like visual masturbation? <laughs> or or is, you know, is there a point to this? Um, and then, yes, I started to see slowly but surely. I was enjoying Scarlett Johansson's portrayal. And may I just say that Scarlett Johansson gives a fantastic performance in this. One that I could see people really, really kind of poo-pooing. Um, and I could see people um, conversely really embracing it and loving it. And I think I'm the latter. I really thought she delivered. And, and um, it's like the perfect time in her career, I think, to do a film like this, too. And probably the perfect time in her life, frankly, because there's a hell of a lot of nudity in this, and she 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 strikes quite the quite the figure in this film as well, and and the, the film's not shy about exploring her body, which is kind of part of the narrative. Um, and then as we got into sort of like what we call the third act, I was really starting to think that I was in the hands of some really great, a great film, and in, in many ways, a really great film. And when it was all over, um. I had one of those really powerful little cinematic moments there, you know, where I was like, wow, that, uh, I was a little empty for it, but in a good way. And I, and I'll get, when we talk later and we get into like spoilers and stuff, I'll talk about why I was left with a little bit of an emptiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but the journey was extremely fulfilling and, that was sort of, that, as usual, that's sort of like my knee-jerk summary that we start the shows off with. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know, there's not much to spoil, you know. I guess the very, very, very end, yeah, maybe, right? But it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, I agree with you. The opening is very interesting. You know, the sound design, I think, is really what drew me in to the film, especially at the beginning, this very, like, dissonant, sound like very kind of discordant um uh soundscape that you hear before you even see anything and and when you first see an image it's this kind of um it's a kind of a circular kind of piece of blue with a little iris around it. it ends up being an eye at some point um like an eyeball and 
you know, you really don't know. Like at the very beginning, it really does draw you in. You're just like, what the heck is going on? You know, and it's very obvious from the first five or ten minutes that this is going to be a very strange film, and it's going to be something that you're gonna you're gonna be trying to figure out most of the time. I found myself though, like. like like you going okay well I, this is the type of film you just have to be along for the ride you have to figure out like you, you can't try to like figure out causality necessarily um, but although there was a part of me that was hoping it would come back to the beginning and tell us like a little bit more about that or have I was looking for maybe I, I was anticipating maybe a little circularity um, in it which we can get to a little bit later when we talk about the end uh, but it didn't disappoint me that it wasn't there you know I was just kind of in the back of my head because it's more of a lyrical film you know it's it, it, it's slow it's very slow it's very um, intense in certain ways. It's confusing, but it but it's uh, it's full of kind of suspense that never really dissipates. Right. And um, and you know it, it's it's really a striking film uh, for for all that. It's 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 quite it's quite amazing. And as far as uh, Scarlett Johansson's performance, I agree, but. I think that you know, just uh, so people are clear, like the performance is good because it's so restrained. Exactly. You know, you don't, you may not even think of it as a performance in some ways. She's almost completely affectless through most of the film. You know, she she barely emotes. She most of the film, she's just staring blankly off into a middle distance or just standing still <laughs> like this is what it, you know when she does begin to emote um it becomes so powerful you know yeah the real challenge of that role and that's kind of what i was saying about uh you know the an average viewer might start sort of thinking like well what's so hard about walking around and chatting up scottish boys for two hours you know <laughs> and uh, um, but that's that's just it. It's it's sort of like that's not what the that's not what she does. The whole film. There's much more to it. There is an arc to this character. Um, yeah. It's a it's a subtle one, and therefore it calls for a subtle performance. And that yeah. and that's why I think it's it's really it's gonna you know it should go down as I think a really really remarkable uh, accomplishment on her part. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't seen, I have not yet seen Lucy, the other film she's in right now. But from the trailers, it looks very similar. And it looks like she's kind of always looking straight ahead at, at her near the camera. You know, she seems to be some otherworldly kind of creature, mm-hmm. or somebody that's not not quite human, right? right. Um, and you know, just from trailers from that film, I, it looks like she's doing something very similar, which is interesting for her. Like you said, at this point of her career, it's a bit of a stretch from some of the things she's done before. Um, you know, maybe she's trying to move into new territory. I'm not, I'm not sure. But but this, I can't speak to Lucy, but this this works, I think, for her. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think it really stretched yeah. those acting muscles in a way that, like, you know, the Avengers, say, doesn't doesn't really yeah. require from her. Um, and, yeah, it's well, – I'm sorry, you continue. I, I want to add one quick thing, though, which is um, – I too was absolutely blown away by the use of music in and and just like you said the soundscape in this film. The very first note I took when I started watching it uh, was I wrote down uh, Christoph Penderecki, you know, then who is the guy whose music they used in The Exorcist. Um, the original score that was commissioned from Lalo Schifrin wasn't used. Uh, Blatty chose to do uh, some other things musically, um, but uh, 
it really reminds me of a lot of the atonal dissonant types of music that were used in in the exorcist um, not talking like you know Michael Feld's tubular bells I'm talking about a lot of the incidental orchestral music which is really sort of like stabbing and piercing and, and uh, atonal in, in its structure and it's like in this movie not just that music but like everything about that th- th- this is a movie of textures of, of visual textures I mean it's really elemental uh, you see like wind and sea and rock and stone and you know all of this is sort of like because you know I think is it safe to say right now who and what she is you know yes yes because she's an alien you know she's from a whoa hey <laughs> she's she's a creature <laughs> from another planet you know yeah. uh, who, we're, we're who, assuming, we're assuming. <laughs> yeah I mean, <laughs> some new strain of species here on the planet yeah. um, yeah, she's she's an alien, and it, it, it be, and therefore the elements and nature do become like really really important because it's she's a tourist essentially taking it all in, <laughs> and so um, those textures, those musical textures, add to the visual textures of it, and in a really great way, you know. Yeah, I I agree. You know, so from what I gather, from what I can understand of this of this film, um, she is a, a probably an alien or or like some kind of. She's not human, obviously. Um, she at the very beginning of the film, some of those sounds we were talking about that you hear are are presumably her just saying vowels, n n n ah ah, but you know what I mean, just trying trying to master speech. I'm assuming, right? The first word she says is no, interestingly, no. And then you see her out in the world. Uh, well, you, I mean, she's, <laughs> I can't even explain it. Like, there's a dead Scarlett Johansson, apparently, and she, then this new Scarlett Johansson is taking her clothes to take on her identity somehow. Mm-hmm. Never. And, and, okay, so there's that. And then she's driving around in this truck, basically. And, and motorcycle dude. <laughs> yeah, this motorcycle guy who never speaks, who who brings her to this this really white kind of, this place is all white. There's no decor at all. It's completely white where she takes her clothes. And um, then she's off in the streets of Scotland, um, somewhere in Scotland, luring men who are alone, don't have families, probably won't be missed, I guess, into this other place that is completely black where she lures them with sex. And then they are, there are, without giving away too much detail, I guess they're kind of trapped. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the way I understand it is I think they're, I think they're using them for, for nutrition, but it might be the skin as well. Cause it's some, there's a very weird gory kind of thing where the guys, like everything sucked out of them except for his skin, I guess. That is messed up too. Yeah. That is totally messed up. Disappears within himself and all that stuff. Yeah, hide. But I did yeah. cheat. I did cheat though, Eric, and checked out the, the the novel that this was based on. Mm-hmm. But I think Glazer's trying to keep it sort of explicitly ambiguous. But there is an actual reason, and they harvest humans as a delicacy on the this other planet. Oh, nice. Okay. Considered to be a a rare delicacy, and so. Um, <laughs> I love it. I'm glad it's not just nutrition. They're not just feeding on us because they want need to, but because they want to. <laughs> the equivalent of like you know black truffles <laughs> on this other planet. Yeah, three hundred dollars an ounce or something like that. 
That's awesome. <laughs> Morel mushrooms or sushi even, right? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, but, I mean, he chose to, I mean, it's uh, from what I read, it was, it's quite loosely adapted. It's just taking the skeleton. And uh, so, I mean, he chooses to keep it pretty ambiguous. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's fine, you know, that it's ambiguous. But she, um, yeah, so she, she lures, and it's, it's very odd because she's very matter-of-fact, very affectless, no affect whatsoever until she gets a guy in her car, and then she turns on this charm where she, like, asks them a lot of questions. Are you alone? Oh, do you live here? What do you do? And she seems, you know, it seems learned, but it also seems natural at the same time, and she does that kind of Scarlett Johansson smile, and she's very coy, and to me, the, the flirty smile is just as creepy as anything else in the film because it seems completely put on. It's, it is completely put on. It's completely like something that she does because she knows that this is what lures the, the men in, yeah. right? And she has no intention of having sex with them or anything else. It's just to lure them into this place. And she just does it over and over and over again. And it, it's... Um, it's you know until she begins to change that that's basically it and i think that that's what's creepy about it is is how incredibly normal she seems to people it's incredibly creepy and until of course we get some growth some character yeah. growth which is to say that uh at a certain point she picks up you can see sort of i mean there are hints along the way of her questioning um, her role here on this planet, but it's not until she picks up a man who suffers from, oh, I forget what it, what the, uh, it's not progeria, but it's, you know, it's sort of the elephant man, um, sort of degenerative disease, right? You know, the muscular as well as skeletal, and he's grossly disfigured in his, in, in his face. She picks him up and ultimately takes him to where she's been taking the other guys and brings him in but it's it's really really sad to watch this in fact just thinking about it right now it sort of like hits me that the banter between them back and forth is difficult because he's 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 suddenly like he represents a um, a spike in the grid if you will she is not responding to her in the typical way that the average male in his age group has been. He has a different background and a different uh, worldview based upon how he's been treated. So he doesn't conform neatly to her expectations. And, you know, just she quickly like, sort of divines all this and she's like, you know, have you ever touched this person before? Would you touch me? Do you want to touch me again? And then when they get back to that place, you know, that sort of like surreal uh, Salvador Dali. Oh, it's funny. I should say Salvador Dali because what's in the very beginning of the film, she pulls an ant off of the corpse. You know, oh, that's right. Dali's Dali's uh, fascination with ants. Um, but at any rate, um, <laughs> sort of this Dali-esque landscape, and fucking changes her mind. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, that's what I took from it is yeah. that she just can't really go through with it. Uh, there's empathy, you know, which is real. This is a huge part here. Is like suddenly she is developing empathy, which I think says a lot about what the film's about in general and this hyper-connected sort of bullshit world of hyper-connectivity, how disconnected we really are. Um, there's this moment of empathy, and she's she's sort of like 
can't go through with it and actually winds up releasing him. And that kind of, I think that's sort of the thing that propels us into the third act. Yeah, I think so too. He, um, she has to go further than she had with anyone else to seduce him. She really had to be much more active. You know, the other guys are kind of all over her. Yeah, right. And I think that, you know, and then you see him leaving and we assume that she let him go. And that's where she goes kind of off the grid, right? So these silent motorcycle guys, there's more than one now, are looking for her. And she's gone off and she's trying to have, like, she looks in a mirror and she seems to recognize herself in some way. That she tries to do some human things like eat, mm-hmm. which doesn't work out. And, um, and then oh, has that, that cake looked good. That cake looks so good, and then and has sex, which also doesn't work out because she oh, just she, incredible moment. Holy yeah, God. it is. She doesn't have the. She apparently doesn't have the parts. <laughs> yeah, the equipment, right? So, but she wants to know what it's like, but it just doesn't work. You know, she's so she was trying to. Yeah, she starts to identify as human, but she's clearly not, and so she can't. And that is the tragic and kind of really sad part of the movie, you know, in a way, you know, because you feel like she's, she's going to try to cross that bridge and become, become actually human. And, and it doesn't work out, you know, cause it, in part, cause it can't, that's the part where I thought it was going to become circular and then they were going to like decommission her or something. And there was going to be another one of her that does the exact same thing as in the beginning. I thought it was going to be more circular and you know, come back to the beginning, but it didn't, but whatever, <laughs> it's fine that it didn't. I just thought it was gonna, so, cause you're always searching for meaning in these things. You're always searching for linearity or circularity or, you know, right. Or lyricism for or sure. whatever it might all, be. All, you know? all the above. Yeah. And, yeah. And, when, when she yeah. does arrive with this guy that shows her kindness, the guy, she winds up, winds up on a bus and um, she comes across another guy that doesn't, again, neatly conform uh, to the expectations. This guy does not try to support her. This guy does not try to do anything. And, and just the opposite, in fact. He, he recognizes someone's in distress, kind of leaves her alone, but wants to shelter her and feed, you know, like take care of her just to sort of like, and then maybe figure out what's going on with her. Um, and that's you know that's 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 another part of the film that really I think has you know it's not that I'm constantly looking for messages in this film because I think you're on a wild goose chase if you do that but there are some things that are apparent to me and one of them was that this guy's actually spared our our, our poor guy who suffers from this, this sort of debilitating physical disease uh, I don't think has a very good end because the motorcycle guys show up just as he sort of makes it back to his place and uh, or a look what look what what one assume is his neighborhood or in his home and they uh they throw him in a trunk and take him away um but this guy this this guy she meets on a bus who uh, you know there's like empathy on both sides now he his narrative is open ended it seems as though he survives no problem um and then we do get propelled into the, the sort of the last the climax of the film which is pretty messed up uh, you want you want to take over <laughs> yeah we can I mean it, it it's anticlimactic really you know I don't know I mean do we need to even talk about the very do you want to talk about the very end because you want to talk about like you want to do some interpretation because we don't have to no I guess in a way I don't really need to I would say that um, I felt I I the first uh, yeah I don't know how to talk about it <laughs> I and mean, we 
can. I just I don't I don't I could talk about the film without talking about the end. I think. I think I can too. And what yeah. I would I guess if I were going to do that, I guess a little while ago I said that I felt that I was empty. And there was an yeah. empty feeling. Oh yeah, yeah. And and let me talk about that for a minute. I was like completely nourished. This <laughs> film, but what I mean by empty is things basically were set back to kind of what they were supposed to be in a sense. Um, how they arrived there is not normal, <laughs> but, but there was like an equal equilibrium that was reestablished in sort of like nature's closed system. Mm. Um, and like I said, how we got there was not uh, normal and it's, 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 it's kind of harrowing to watch. Really, it's actually really harrowing to watch, and there's all sorts of probably metaphysical things we could talk about and stuff like that. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I think you're just left with um, a really profound sort of meditation, if you were, uh, or treatise on, on I don't know, I, I guess on the state of human affairs. I know that sounds grand and operatic and stuff like that, but I truly mean that. This is a film about a person who goes around observing. Uh, and and trying to sort of like make connections, for whatever purpose is is may be, it's ultimately what it's about. It's about surveying and it's about interaction and it's about fitting in. Mm-hmm. It's about guys. It's about public and personal and private. It's about all of these things. And it's about it in a really one. It's a in an incredibly brave and amazing way to have like a, an A list mainstream Hollywood star. You know, sort of like do this film, which was made for nothing. I mean, it's, I looked up the budget; I forgot what it was, but it was very little. Um, and 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 so it it has its cake and it eats it too. You know, it's <laughs> like it's it's not it, it, it's it's not the type of film that you see too often. And you know, I was affected and moved by it. Yeah, I I was too. Um, as far as the the themes you know the thematics of it. I think as I was driving around today and doing the things I do on a daily basis, I was uh, struck by the fact that you know it, it feels to me like it's about um, you know it's about Hollywood in a lot of ways. It's about our celebrity culture and star culture, and you know beyond that, it's about I think desire and um, you know in and, and all these things together because I mean it's called under the skin, right? And she has this, you know, she's in somebody's skin, right? Where underneath she's something completely different, and her skin and her outward appearance is what causes these guys to really desire her, and it's their desire that lures them in, right? But it becomes apparent towards the end of the film that there's really nothing human underneath that. So, you know, we like the skin. We like to, to you know, fetishize, yeah, the flesh and particularly women's bodies. And, um, you know, I think there's this fear maybe, or maybe it's true that there's nothing underneath. Because you think of celebrity culture, you know, it's all about bodies and, and, and you know, what they look like. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking right now at the IMDb page for this. And one of the ads, the user polls on IMDb says, Maxim's top eight most beautiful woman. You know, it's all about, about outward appearance, right? And, um, it, you know, I thought I began thinking more about this, and I thought about Scarlett Johansson, who 
you know, is probably on that list. Well, not maybe not Maxims, but um, yeah, maybe I don't know. But right. she's 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 on a lot of top ten lists like that, right? And I'm sure there are a lot of people who have been dying to see Scarlett Johansson naked, and you get that in this film, it, you know, quite a bit. You know, you get full frontal, you get all this stuff, and it's not at all sexy. It's not in the least bit sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's this interesting. Um, Kind of, it turns a lot of things on its head. It's like, yeah, we like skin, we like outward appearances, we we have these desires, right? But underneath, there there's nothing. Everything's hollow, and and then the director is kind of saying, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you what you want. I'll show you this, and it's tragic and sad and weird and and kind of disgusting. Yeah. You know? So yeah, when you talk about desire and and um. The fact that then, from the from the writing perspective, how would one throw a, a wrench into that into that sort of machinery, and that is by including that fourth or fifth guy that she encounters, the one who's who's suffering from this this uh, um, degenerative disease, and um, because of course this is a person who who on some sort of just instinctive level would have desire. You know, and, uh-huh. and I mean, I mean, we all we're all sort of born with it. You know, I mean, the the, the need to procreate is sort of like, in some ways, the meaning of life. You know, <laughs> so so you know, like I mean, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like before we, we strip everything away, it's like what were we put here for to reproduce. You know, I mean, that's 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 kind of what it's all about. Um, and so naturally, he would have these desires, yet he just does, they don't manifest in him in traditional ways. So. It's a wonderful curveball to throw into the second act there to sort of like twist things and make push them, propel them in the third act where you said everything is kind of like tragic and sad and reversed and messed up. And, and yeah, the ending is like sort of like really magnificently hollow and appropriate at the same time. It's like, and that's a paradox right there too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. So yeah, I think you know it's about to, and you know if you take it beyond the Hollywood metaphor that I've just drawn out, I think we can we can make that about just you know like you said the hyperconnected life where you know we we don't know what's below anybody's underneath the skin you know we don't know what's going on you know um, I mean she is uh, you know a classic femme fatale in a way she's a beautiful woman who's killing men I guess right but I think there's a lot more to it than that for sure. It's a disturbing film. It truly is. I I was, uh, and yet you put your finger on everything, uh, and that's a good way to, to to sort of like summarize the whole experience. Was you said in the very beginning, like when you were talking about your reaction to it, how you know not a whole lot's happening, you know, sort of like, but we're we're nonetheless just compelled to keep watching. There are, you know, films that we can sort of turn off. And walk away. But I was like, I kept, I was compelled to just keep watching because I, I I needed some answers to some things. And some of them you get, some of them you make up on your own. Some of them are never really given, you know. And that's I think what's ultimately the best thing about the film. 
Yeah, I agree. There's no there's no real closure. Um, a lot of questions go unanswered, and and that's okay. And that's okay, you know. And I agree with you. There was never a point where I wanted to turn it off. You know, I was I was, although a lot of it is just her driving around in a car or a truck. I, I still was like, wow, what's going into what's going to happen next? You know. Favorite some, scene for me might have been when you know he takes the guy on the bus takes her to uh, sort of a very steep castle armament whatever it may be mm. sort of like outpost to the western world type thing you know and they're way the hell up there and she's in those three or four inch heels trying to get down the steps and he's sort of taking her step by step all the way down at the i don't know i, I love it when he picked her up and carried her across the damn mm-hmm. puddle you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Those little touches are phenomenal. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. That seems like a scene you would like. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. You know, it's a kind of throwback to an old chivalrous period, you know, in a way. I liked it, too. I liked it, too. Um, yeah, no, it's it's good stuff. We should probably just, as a public service announcement, um, say that I know last night when you were watching it, you texted me and you said, uh, you definitely need subs for this one, right? The uh, subtitles. Yeah. If you are... Um, if you're American and you're not used to very, very heavy, heavy Scottish accents, you're gonna want to, yeah. you're gonna want to put the subtitles on for this one for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, so. um, you know, I pride myself. I know you do too on being fairly well traveled. I'm pretty good at at not needing subtitles for a lot of things, but uh, um, I definitely was like, whoa, this, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is this is the Scottish version of English that you don't hear very often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very thick, especially the especially the young men who are speaking. So, yeah, put on the subtitles. I, I watch there almost everything with subtitles these days, anyway, because uh, I live with somebody who doesn't doesn't hear so well. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's on by default on most of my services. But yeah, it was it was helpful for sure. My so. final thoughts are. If you're on the fence about this film, but you're a you, you know you're a lover of film, you, you're a person who considers yourself, um, you know, not, not like necessarily a cinephile or anything, but you just you, just, you love movies and you're not you're not afraid of a film that you know pushes you a little bit. I think it you 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 know it's it's perfect, perfect for that. And this is not exactly what I would recommend to someone. Who who just you know wants to chow popcorn you know I mean and there's nothing wrong with that either but I think you'd probably waste your time and money on it. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, it reminds me of some Bergman, Ingmar Bergman. It reminds me of Tarkovsky a little bit. Um, yes. You know, very yeah, very sparse, very uh, doesn't explain a lot. You know, very slow, um, very atmospheric. I think is the word I would use. Um, but I, I think it's definitely worth watching. But yeah, if you you have to. Um, be somewhat patient, I think, and and, re- and and ready to be pushed, like you said. I think that's a that's a good way to put it. So good. All right. I think that's that's I think that's a recommendation from both of us. <laughs> um, you know, to to a certain type of well, the type of people who listen to this podcast will probably like it. I guess. I actually, like to say one 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 last thing about um, Under the Skin, which is I think both you and I, and we've done podcasts about this very topic about how. The spec screenplay market is abysmal. And then mm-hmm. Hollywood, Hollywood is um, timid, afraid of its own shadow, not willing to invest much time or money or energy into anything that isn't purely formulaic. And so to see a film like Under the Skin get made for a really, really modest budget, but attract a big A-list star, 
I think Scarlett was voted like most beautiful girl in the world or whatever People Magazine does their thing, you know, or whatever the hell it is. And um, I mean, that's sort of like, you know, for the listeners, I'm kind of like licking my finger and putting a one, you know, like, I mean, boom, chalk one up for us. It's like filmmakers, I think, really scored a coup here. Whether or not the film is enjoyed by the, the person who's watching it, I, I can't say. But, you know, I mean, I can say that that as, as a low-budget independent feature, I w- it re- it it's a nice it's a lovely throwback to the you know independent movement of the late 80s and early 90s that uh, was so cultivated by Miramax finally distribu- distributed flow for a lot of you know product and the the birth of things like Sundance and Robert Redford and so it's like it, it definitely kind of recalls that type of mentality. Mm-hmm. I I I think that's. It, I'm kind of slowly falling more in love with this movie as the day goes by. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of one of those creepers, you know? Uh, yeah. And I think it compels you to watch it a few times. Because I know immediately after I saw it, I'm like, I, need, I think I need to watch it again. But I just, yeah. I'm like, life got in the way, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I agree. Um, I agree. Okay. <laughs> Segment two, uh, Robin Williams. So this week, uh, in the last couple of weeks, we had uh, a, a couple of celebrity deaths. Uh, Lauren Bacall passed away. Uh, Don Pardo died, I think, yesterday, the day before. But um, I think overshadowing all of those, um, for various reasons, is, is Robin Williams' death. Um, I think uh, partly because, you know, Lauren Bacall, as beloved as she is, you know, when someone's 86 years old, I think she was 86, you know, you're not entirely surprised when, when they pass away. It's, it's kind of expected. And I think Robin Williams really came out of the blue, um, especially given his, his public persona and, and the way he went. You know, he took his own life. So we're going to hear that's wrap. We're going to do a quick, uh, I don't know, tribute or kind of reflection on Robin Williams and maybe talk about some of the other tributes we've seen this week. Sure. Um, and, and where to start, you know. Uh, you know, I always find that when we do these sorts of things, it's, it's, it's hard for me because, first of all, you know, as much as Robin Williams was part of our lives in a lot of ways, I mean, he, I don't know him. I never met him. You know, he's a stranger to me. And I can only say, and a lot of, a lot of times I can only say the things that everyone else has already said, you know, so I know I always find these to be difficult to do, excuse me. But, um, you know, I think we all feel that, I mean, we all feel the sense of loss to that, this, I, I, I believe. No, the, 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 I remember very vividly, I've shared this with a former student on Facebook recently who she was really, you know, really upset by it and um i remember very vividly the the three deaths of my childhood i mean you know i'm a i'm i'm a a lover of film from a very early age i mean it was all i ever really wanted to do was to be part of film somehow and i remember very vividly the the three deaths that like made me really Sad and uh, like tear up. But one in particular, I remember. I remember actually tearing up. The other two, 
um, hit me hard. I remember when Charlie Chaplin died on Christmas morning, uh, seventy, I think it was seventy-seven. I remember hearing about it and seeing it on television after, like, watching the, you know, like, the mass and stuff on television or that on where you're opening your presents. And um, my grandfather adored the Marx Brothers and Chaplin when he <laughs> here from from Hungary in the twenties. Because we're helped greatly by going to the movies all the time, you know, <laughs> right post-depression, because it was a lot of the theaters were putting air conditioning in, and you could you fill up on popcorn and sit in a cool uh, theater and watch films all day, you know, and so he the Marx Brothers and Chaplin, so I knew Chaplin very well and, and was crushed, and then two years later, I remember, I boy, do I remember, we all, it's all we talked about at school that day was when John Wayne died, mm. and, um, but the one that hit me the hardest, I was on the playground when I, and when I found out. And I remember actually crying. I mean, not to the point where everybody was like pointing at me or something. But I went over by a pine tree, I remember, and kind of leaned against it. And actually, I, I know tears. It was Natalie Wood because I'd been massively in love with Natalie Wood since I was about five years old, you know, before I even knew what girls were. I knew that I, <laughs> I was in love with her. And so celebrity deaths often hit me hard. And Robin, just prior to Robin Williams, one of my absolute idols had died, James Garner, a true hero of mine. And oddly enough, a lot of people uh, had commented to me, I thought of you when James Garner died. I thought of you when James Garner died. I got all these messages. I thought of you. And I think that's clearly just because on Facebook, my profile picture for years has been you know Jim Rockford. <laughs> so I think it was. I thought of you and John. I love James Garner, but his time. You know, it was 86 years old. Like you said about Lauren Bacall, it's sad. We mourn it, but we're more or less rejoicing on a wonderful career in life. Not the case with Robin Williams, who I think really kind of just like paralyzed the country um, because he brought so much joy to so many of us, and 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 particularly the circumstances with which he died made it all the more tragic and all the more difficult. And um, it, it hasn't stopped. It's, a, it's been roughly, what, a week now? Um, About that, yeah. Now that we're recording. And, um, yeah, you know, it, the, 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 the tributes continue to pour in. I, I myself took over Goodwill Hunting to my friend Fred's on Friday night, who'd never seen it before. And he just, you know, he, was, he thought it was just a fantastic performance. My friend Stephanie, who just left for Europe, had a six-hour layover in Boston. So what does she do? She goes to the, to the commons bench, you know, and sat there and had someone take a picture from the, sort of the famous speech scene in Goodwill Hunting, the Your Move Chief speech, which is so great. I just watched it recently. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I guess I'll toss it back at you and say that, because I'm certainly like to talk a little bit about his career, but for me, celebrity deaths, um, I don't know. I, I, they hit me harder than the average person, I think. Um, and I mean writ large. I'm not talking about Robin Williams. I mean, like, just today I posted on Facebook, or this week I posted also that Arlene Martell, a girl I had a massive crush on and have her autograph, died. Uh, many people know her from a very famous Star Trek episode. Just today, Brian G. Hutton died, who I memorialized on my Facebook page, who directed... Many films that I loved growing up, Kelly's Heroes and Where Eagles Dare. I mean, these were like staples of television. And, and one of my all-time favorite movies called High Road to China. So I'm like, I think, Eric, you know me well enough to know that I'm always, you know, eulogizing on Facebook because, uh, so I, it, it's a fair statement. 
listeners to say that I do. I, I'm pretty, my antenna are pretty tuned into celebrity culture, particularly deaths. Yeah, I, I'm quite the opposite. I, I generally don't care. Um, a lot of times, I'm usually like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, <clears throat> with some, with some rare exceptions. I mean, this year, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's death and Robin Williams are the two that I'm like, you know, oh boy, we just lost these people. You know, um, generally, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I don't pay attention or if I, you know, I, mean, I think there's a sense of remove for me. But this one, you know, you, you just, uh, you know, be. He, you know, I grew up with Mork and Mindy and, you know, his early films. And, like, he's just – everybody knows the guy. And everybody likes something he's done, if not everything, you know. Um, you know, you might not be a huge fan of Mrs. Doubtfire, but, you know, you might like One Hour Photo or The World According to Garp or, you know, whatever. And and uh, we all have this, I think, connection to, to him as a comic and then and – then, yeah. You know, he has this reputation also for being, you know, very, uh, not just entertaining, but very generous and, and all, and uh, just, yeah, it's just a <laughs> total bummer. And the fact that they came so, so far out of the blue, you know. Um, yeah, I think universally everybody, there are, like the genie, for example, in Aladdin. I mean, if you just, if you don't mm-hmm. like that performance, then I mean, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's just a, it's it's created from a universal standpoint of people laugh, you know, and that was his gift. Um, yeah. yeah, I grew up also, you know, watching him first run on those not in syndication, but on the Happy Days episodes, and mm-hmm. it appeared, and then watching him get his own show, which I watched all, and then you know, and then of course we sold in syndication packages, which we watched as well, and then. So and and of course the his debut in in uh, Popeye and then with Garp and you know boom a, a career was born a, a, a movie career I saw Popeye in the theater really kind of thoroughly hated it then <laughs> watched it again not too long ago a little bit of it I think it popped up on Netflix or was on TV mm-hmm. or something and I'm like it is on Netflix yeah I'm like this is just as bad as I remember it oh yeah um, it's and, funny you but- I'm sorry, I don't want to, I didn't want to interrupt you. Was, I, I just watched Popeye maybe a week before he died or so, and it's the first time I'd seen it since it was out, since I was a kid. Or, I guess I was a kid. What year was that? Um, it was in the 80s, right? Maybe, 82. Yeah, so I would have been like 10 or 11. And um, we were showing it to the 10-year-old in the house. And it was thoroughly stupid. I mean, it's just not a very good movie, and I love Robert Altman and all, but yeah, but the thing, the 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 best thing about that film was him and his little asides, you know, and the weird little things that you know he's ad libbing, you know, like those weird little for uh, lack of performances. Shelley Duvall's yeah. and Ray Wilson mm-hmm. was like Popeye, right? As his uh, father or whatever. I can't remember. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> it's been yeah, you know, it's been a while. But um, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah he's good in it. Uh, uh, Robin Williams is, and um, I mean. It, it it was really a, a fantastic career, a, a multifaceted career of of, of, of of many virtuoso performances, and an incredibly versatile actor. I mean, that Juilliard training, I think, really paid off in those dramatic roles. Yeah, I think it was very smart of him to um, to quickly, just like his pal Christopher Reeve did, by making Death Trap right after Superman. He wanted to avoid being just the comic, you know, and so I think right. by making Garp. 
um, while Mork and Mindy was still, you know, in production, that was a very smart move. It it quickly established that he had dramatic chops, and when they and when you know act, and it's funny because just last night in preparation for the podcast today, I watched the hour long supplement on Goodwill Hunting and listened oh. to Matt Matt and and uh, Ben talk about how Robin became a part of the, of the project and when he came aboard, how 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 the thing you know. Once he and Gus were attached, now the wings really just spread, and um, how the the you know one of the most fast fascinating things about that was I found out that um, the original screenplay ended with Matt Damon just you know dropping off this letter at at his therapist's at Robin Williams in his little mailbox and driving down the road as the credits roll, but Robin ad libbed. Uh, a line there, but he had lived 50 different things. Uh, <laughs> he said they, they did 50 takes that Matt was standing right there next to Gus. And in each take, he did something different because he really liked to give his directors um, that type of power in the edit, you know? And he said, you know, it was on like take 16 that he just goes, you know, son of a bitch, you know, he stole my line. You know, that, that line where he's like, I got to go see about a girl. And, and, Matt looked at Gus and they called cut and he's like, that's it. That, that's it. He just rewrote the ending of the film. Those are the last lines spoken because it was so perfect the way he says it. Um, and I, and you know, I mean, that's, 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 a, that's a great actor you're dealing with. Yeah, definitely. Um, I went back and watched some of his old stand-up, like some of his really early stand-up. Uh, there's something on YouTube. It's about an hour and a half long. I watched a good portion of, portion of that, and just his stand-up is so so frenetic, and he does he he does so much crowd work. Um, he'll just walk out into the crowd and just start messing with people and talking to people, you know. And I think that's how he dealt with hecklers as well in the early days. And <laughs> just some of that early stuff is is amazing. And then you know, of course, I was watching a lot of the. Um, tributes to him you know and there there are a lot online people doing fan art and uh yeah. and you know a lot of a lot of other stuff uh the the kind of the more mainstream ones i i that i thought were pretty compelling were um uh, mark Marin on his podcast wtf he re-released a uh interview he did with robin williams uh, in 2010 with a little preamble and the preamble is very touching you know he's very obviously choked up and uh he talks about his experiences with robin williams and then he plays the um the interview and there is a part towards the end of the interview where robin williams starts talking a little bit about depression and he does this real long really subdued kind of bit you know where it's this kind of fake conversation between him and his unconscious and he mentions he mentions suicide in that and it's really kind of it's kind of chilling in a way you know um so that i would recommend if you know if you're you're still on the robin williams um kick and you're looking for something else i would recommend that podcast um also conan o'brien did a real nice little um kind of tribute to him and jimmy you saw that one? Well, I didn't see it. I heard it. Uh, Every time you try and look up the video, it's just a still image of Conan talking. You know, there's audio. I couldn't, you know, the copyright bullshit or whatever. I couldn't find it. Um, but I know what you're about to say. Yeah, Conan's was well. Conan, yeah, Conan's was very real because he just gotten the, gotten the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that, and then yeah, there's one from the next day too, where they do a full-on tribute, and it's pretty, oh, it's pretty powerful. I know yeah. Jimmy Fallon's was uh, yeah. Jimmy Fallon's was great, partly because he 
he does an incredible impression of Robin Williams. I've never seen anybody do an impression of Robin Williams, and Jimmy Fallon nails it. And uh, and then he stands on his desk, you know. And that's that's the other tribute that. Oh, Captain, I, my Captain, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the other tribute I was going to mention was that uh, Amanda Palmer on her Twitter, she stood on a desk and put a sign up that said oh captain my captain and kind of exhorted people to do the same and she retweeted people all week who were doing the same thing standing on a desk you know with a sign i thought that was kind of nice so i, I really enjoyed david letterman's too it's a 10 yeah. minute it's just yeah. 10 minutes of him talking to the camera well yeah. to the audience and to the camera um, yeah no clips or anything that's know, a good no, yeah. yeah one one clip of uh of just a, of him on the show many you know like you know it was you know very brief yeah um because he's talking about when they found the clip, the footage of him when he when when actually you know Robin Williams had <laughs> a little brief acting gig on Mork and Mindy. You That's know, right. That uh, um, was done, and Letterman was so appreciative of that. I mean, he came on to say, "Look at back then, you know, I, I didn't have the tonight, the, I didn't have the show, the late night, you know, and we you're you're trying to be a gigging a gigging comic, and if the occasional acting job comes along, kind of like in Louis the Louis C.K. episode where." You know, Matthew Broderick casts him in this thing, you know, and he sucks in it. He's terrible. <laughs> the same thing. I mean, Letterman goes on the Mork and Mindy, and he, he's, you know, he's like he's terrible. The director thought he was terrible, but Robin Williams did it because he wanted to help out a fellow comic, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, clearly, Letterman never forgot that. So he's got a good ten-minute monologue saying, you know, what a guy. He's, he's pretty choked up as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of um, of eulogizing going on and it, it's all part of the healing process because like you said uh, there is something universal about this guy that that we all felt connected to so you didn't even though you said i don't know him and you're right eric you don't know him and i don't know him his gift was we made us feel like we knew him you know yeah definitely yeah it's funny you mentioned louis ck because just before he died as well maybe a week or two before i there's a Louis C.K. a Louis episode with Robin Williams where I don't know if you've seen it, but like Robin Williams showed it, it, this guy, this real jerk dies, and the only people who show up to his funeral are Robin Williams and Louis C.K. <laughs> and then they go out to lunch and they go to this. I won't, I won't give the whole thing away, but it's you know, it's a there's a yeah. uh, sad irony to it. Yeah, yeah, there's a sad irony. It's a very macabre episode, and it, you know, they talk about their own funerals um, at the very, very end. You know, Briefly, um, so I saw that too, just before, and I was like, "That's really weird." So I wonder how Louis C.K. feels about that. We'll be uh, doing a, a, a in memoriam uh, Monday night at the Emmys, which I'm always glued to. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those guys that always watch live. Uh, I love live television to begin with, but I also love live ceremony shows, even though they bore some people to tears. Um, and I will, I'll certainly be watching that because, yeah, I mean, Hollywood was 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 you know devastated by this and you know the i you know the, the world was you know the cinema consuming world which is like what nine tenths of the globe was yeah. broken up was broken up over this this guy that i mean and people took it personally they took it it, it really hit them because it was a it was a punch in the gut like what robin williams and then of course you find out it's suicide some of my friends said they immediately thought that and other friends, oh really? Yeah, huh. and 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 other friends said no. I was completely surprised. I was. I didn't think it was suicide. Um, I when you hear somebody dies, you know, the first thing I thought of was oh, heart attack or you know car crash. Car crash. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it was suicide. 
but, it's, but you know, it only took about a minute or two for me to think, uh-huh. You know, I get it though. I get it. You know, I mean, I didn't know the, the, the pain that he was living with, but um, yeah, I think it was initial shock, and then I was like, yeah, well, you know, we're all we all carry a shitload of stress and depression around with us. We all do. It's just a question of severity and how we mm-hmm. deal with it. You know. Yeah, I learned from Chris. I think you did too, uh, Chris, our co-host, uh, Gullen. Texted me, Robin Williams is dead, and I was like, "What?" You know. Um, I was texting until like two hours later. Oh yeah, I was like, "What?" And then I looked it up, and sure enough, and uh, I guess I heard that he was dealing with the the beginning stages of Parkinson's. Parkinson's as well, yeah. So that that might have been the tipping point for him too, not just depression, but maybe maybe a little bit of both. You know, we'll never really know, I guess, but you know, I figure, you know, you make it. How old was he? Fifty-eight. In the sixty-three, I think. Sixty-three. What did I get fifty-eight from? Um, you go, you know, you make it sixty-three years. You figure someone, will, you know, you don't expect a sixty-three-year-old to commit suicide necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like that's, that's not why he's not the first thing to to pop in your head. Also, the fact that he's always funny, you know, even when he's not funny, he's not like. He's just a psycho, like in one hour photo or in insomnia, right? You know, it's it's you know, he never strikes you as is is terribly depressed. And that's why, you know, and depression's very real and it's a very serious thing. And you just you don't know. You know, we just you don't know who suffers from it and, and how it's that's, gonna that's you know, why, play out. You know, so. that old adage of, hey, just try and be nice to people, you know. Uh, or, or 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 what I've adopted as, you know, I think Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure is a fantastic fucking movie, and I've always loved its its underlying message. You know, be excellent to each other. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. That's it's nice, horror, man. I mean, if, uh, <laughs> there's so much going on in the world right now. I, if any of you just go put on your your televisions right now, oh man, we are not being. <laughs> each other yeah, yeah sadly it doesn't matter when someone listens to this either because that'll still be true unfortunately oh, no, we'll never be actually to each other but yeah. it's sure nice to, to aspire yeah. to it I suppose. yeah definitely definitely yeah so um you know r.i.p robin williams you know it's gonna be it's a different world without him you know in a lot of ways agreed yeah agreed pal well well, on that somber note, uh, <laughs> somber note, we are coming back strong with episode 27, which is about, uh, like we said at the head of the show, Jim Jarmusch, and we've got a fantastic segment too lined up as well. Yep, it's going to be great. Hopefully, Chris will be back. Um, yeah, hit us up on iTunes, give us a review, hit thatsrapshow.com, uh, tell us your favorite Robin Williams moments or whatever you want to share with us, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right.
Cut. That's a wrap. Thank you.